Welcome to New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. What is it that's holding you? Something someone's done to you, something you've done, something about you. What is it that's holding you back? Whatever it is, Pastor Randy says you can find freedom in Jesus. In fact, the entire time Jesus was on this earth was about freedom. Pastor Randy calls it an operation of liberation. Go with us now to Galatians chapter 5. Here's Pastor Randy. Galatians chapter 5. We are going to finish this book, church. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. Um, and my iPad has done forgot what my face looks like because I'm always opening it with my mask on. Um, Galatians chapter 5. We're going to we're going to read just one verse this morning together. Would you guys stand with me as we read this? Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. A verse that, to me, has become, has just resonated with me all week. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. May God bless the reading of his word. For five chapters here, four chapters, we're in the fifth. There's a transition here that Paul starts making uh, about midway through this chapter. But he's been making this point that the law, he's been using the law to make the point that the law can't meet all your needs. You need a savior. You need grace. He's been using the law to make that point. He, he's been saying over and over again that that grace has got to be something that actually we live out in our own lives, that we believe in our minds, that it actually penetrates all the way down into our hearts, into our emotions, this becomes something that is actually a real thing. The other day I was at the place where Christians go to get chicken. And I'm going to tell you, any problems that we have in our country, they should just let Chick-fil-A figure it out because they can figure it out. And I was in a line. And what do you, what do you call the two? Is it, a, is it a skew line? Is that what you... What do you call the two lanes? It's just lanes. I don't know what you call them. A queue line. See, I'm from Kentucky. It's a skew. So, you know, it, you just change the words up a little bit. But a queue line. I, why do they call it a queue line? I don't know this, all right? Listen, I'm going to tell you. Buddy sometimes would, Buddy sometimes would, we'd be sitting over there and he'd ask me a question about something and I would answer him and he would go up and act like he didn't know the answer to get people to respond. This is honestly, I'm ignorant here, all right? Why do you call it a queue line? Does anybody know? It's just a queue, not a queue line. See, second hour is going to get so much of a better educational experience than first hour is. So, so I was in the queue, all right? Yeah. That, okay, yeah, I was in the queue. And, and, I'm, and, I'm, and you know, the great thing about Chick-fil-A is there's, there's the two lanes there. So, so you don't have people cutting off. I'm going to tell you, I have... I have come closer to acting like a pagan in, in the line at McDonald's in Grayson more times than not. 
you're, you're there. And the, you know, there's clearly a lane there. And you're like the third car back and somebody comes around the corner and jumps into that outer lane. And you know, and I'm going to just be honest. I just, I say, Lord, please mess their order up. You know, um, you know, put no ketchup in with the fries. Cause if I don't have, ke- I don't, I'm okay with fries, but I love ketchup, you know? So it's like, Lord, then I feel guilty and you know, but anyway, so, so I'm in line and, and the, I do my order, you know, and I scan my app and, and all that. And I'm, and I'm ready to come through. And the, the guy in this lane, I'm clearly the next car. And the guy in the next lane jumps in front of me. Not only does he jump in front of me, the car behind him scoots right in too. I have been wronged. And I'm waiting on those chicken strips and that Coke Zero. And, 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 and it, and it, I mean, there were emotions inside of me I didn't even know I had. Now, how many of y'all, does it really bother you when people do that to you at Chick-fil-A? How many of y'all, it really bothers? How many of you guys, it doesn't really bother? Okay, you're the people who cut the line. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's two kinds of people. There's people who it bothers and there's people who it doesn't bother. And you know what? Both of us need grace, don't we? Yeah. Both of us need grace because it isn't that big of a deal. It's, it, I'm not going to say it's just chicken because it's more than chicken, all right? It's something. I don't know what they put in that stuff, but, but it's more than chicken. We need grace. This is what Paul's been saying over and over and over and over again. And honey, since you got here, I am going to move on to a different sermon next week. But this week, I'm going to keep preaching the same one I've been preaching, all right? Because every week, every week in the end, it's like, Honey, I feel like you've preached the same sermon like every week. That's because Paul's saying the same thing every week. And he kind of says it again here. Look at this, chapter chapter five, verse one. For freedom, Christ has set us free. He does something here in the language, the word freedom and free and set us free that he's taken the same word and using it as a noun and a verb. It's such a big deal. For freedom, Christ has set us free. That Literally, the, the whole point of this thing is about freedom. The entire move of Jesus on this earth was an operation of liberation. You got prayer cards as you walked in today. Whether you turned them in or not, I'd love for you to write down, either on your notes, if you want to take it home, or on your prayer card, what is it that's holding you? What is it that's holding you? Something someone's done to you, something you've done, something about you. What is it that's holding you back? Is it a word that was spoken to you when you were 12 years old, and you think you're fine, and then boom, it comes back? an emotion, you had no idea it was still there. For freedom, Christ has set us free. This is what he's saying. Listen, you have a savior. His name is Jesus, and he freed you. One of my favorite movies, we're gonna watch a clip of it, but I need to set it up just a little bit, is the movie Amistad. It was about a a slave ship and, and the people who had been enslaved rebelled against that, literally 
the scene that we're going to see, what's happening is the slavers had thrown people overboard. And the people that were remaining, the humans made in the image of God, who have the same value as the people who were supposedly in command. They, they rebelled because they saw this death going on and then they wound up being off the coast of New England and this trial went forward about whose property are they? Or are they free? Or are they property? And this, this scene is going on and they're, they're arguing about what happened with these people. And Sinke, who, who had been hearing from missionaries about Jesus coming and saying these words about freedom, is seeing all of the distractions that are going on in the courtroom. And then he just says these words. Think about this in light of that in light of this text that we just read. Watch this clip, it's about two minutes long. I do see that the cargo weight changed. They reduced the poundage, I'd see. That is all. Ghastly arithmetic. Well, for you, perhaps. I may need a quill and parchment and a better imagination. And what poundage do you imagine the entry may refer to, sir? A mast and sails, perhaps? It is us free. Give us free. Give us us free. Give us free. Your Honor, please instruct the defendant that he cannot disrupt these proceedings with such a... Give us us free! If we are to have any semblance of order in this court, Your Honor... Give us us free! Give us us free! Crying out, give us free, or anything else. Give us us free! I am trying to question this witness. Give us us free! Give us us free! I'd like you to look back at whatever it is you wrote down. And just say that to the Lord right now. Give us free. Everything else is a distraction. He came to bring freedom. He came to bring that into our lives. And then he says this. He says, stand firm. 
We can't lose our salvation. We can lose our freedom, church. How do we do that? We lose it by falling into fear. It's a military term that he uses there, stand firm. It's, 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 it's the exact same phrase that they would yell out to the soldiers in those Roman legions. Stand firm. Don't back down. It's what William Wallace would say when he says, them okay, I'm not even gonna try because Celine Peavy's gonna be here second hour and she's Irish and she's gonna say, your Scottish is Irish and it's not even good Irish, so we're not even gonna try. But do you remember in that movie, he says, he says, you've come here as free men. What will you do with that freedom? They can take your lives, but they can't take your freedom. They can take your life, church. Listen, he's writing to people who knew they could take their lives, but he says, you don't let them take your freedom. Don't let them take that. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. He's saying that to women too, in this case. Act like soldiers, don't cower to fear. Be strong. I, as I am out in life and watching social media and just interacting with human beings, I feel like we have lost a generation of young men. This is just an observation. I see lots of incredibly spiritually strong young women and I feel like we're losing a generation of young men. We're gonna do something about it. On your notes, April 26th, we're starting it. Life skills, 10,000. I need some help. We're gonna gather with young men and young women, and we're gonna talk about money and law, conflict resolution, how to apply for a job, just some skills that you need. And if they finish this course, we're gonna give them a mutual fund. And if they don't mess with it for six months, we're gonna put more into it. We've already got the money raised, but if you wanna help us raise some more for the next one, we're ready for the seed. On this, when, if they don't touch this, when they retire, it'll be worth $10,000. So we're starting young. We need some help but I think we've got a generation of young men that are growing up right now, specifically, that don't know how to do life. The answer, the answer isn't the NBA. The answer isn't anger. The answer isn't a video game. Now, I know you can make money doing all of those things now, but for most people, it's gonna be something else, and we need some help if you email Sheba, if you're willing to help, we, we need to, we're gonna have dinner every week. We need people to cook dinner. We need mentors. We need people that are professionals in business. And, and this would be my hope. We're gonna do this. We're gonna do, the first round's gonna be five weeks. And, and then we're gonna, we're gonna start this back in the fall. This is for kids who come here and play basketball. It's for kids from our own church. 
And I hope one day there's no difference between them. Ephesians 4, he says that we would no longer be children tossed fruit to and fro by waves carried about by every wind of doctrine. Everything we read or hear and, and our faith gets challenged by it. Are you kidding me? By human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes? Rather, look at this. Look, that's them. This is us. Speaking the truth in love, we're to grow in every way with him, in, into him who is the head into Christ. Get some amens here, church. From whom the whole body joined, held together by every joint with which it is equipped. And when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. So it builds itself up in love. Look how it ends. Philippians 1, 27. Wow, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. If the church was that today, that we were worthy of the gospel, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are, here's that phrase again, standing firm. Look at this in one spirit. Here's the thing about standing firm. You can't do it by yourself. The very phrase is plural. Lee and Cliff, would you guys stand up for me? All right. Okay. That's not standing firm. Lock your arms together. That's what it means. Now, you might be able to knock one of them down. Good luck doing it to both at the same time. That's what it means. It means that together, think about this. Think about if we did that in our marriages. Think about if we did that in our families. If we, if we did that as a church to, to stand firm together. Look at this. With one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's what he's talking about here, that we would stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. That word yoke, you know, the yoke was what you would put on the oxen or, or on mules uh, in, in our culture in, in Kentucky, and they would and they would pull together. Because the yoke, with the yoke, literally, the force is applied equally. It's different than harness. Uh, with the yoke, the, there's, there's this equaling of the force. And this is, this is what he says about this, this yoke. Jesus says this, come to me, Matthew 11, who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke, the, the word yoke, in, in that time meant this, but it also meant all of the teachings. The manner of life was your yoke. This is how you lived was your yoke. It, it was what gave you the ability to, to do things in life, to make things happen in life. Largely an agrarian society. They didn't have a, a Publix or a McDonald's. If you didn't grow it, you were hungry. Take, take my yoke on you and learn from me for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. And you know this one, for my yoke is easy and my burden's light. When you're yoked up next to Jesus, you don't have to pull a lot, church. When, when you're doing it all on your own, good luck with that one. 
But when you're yoked up with Jesus, it's different. When you're moving in the way that he wants you to move, it's different. When you're doing the things he wants you to do, it's different. My yoke's easy, my burden's light. And, and what Paul is, is quoting here is something that Peter says in Acts 15, when in verse 10, he says, now therefore, why are you putting God to the test of putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to do? And then he uses this word. He says, to submit again. That word again in the ESV, it may be one of the most poignant words in all of scripture because this is what he's saying to them. Gently, without making it painful, you were pagans. You were submitting to that yoke. You were following that mindset. And listen, that culture that pagan culture, what we're dealing with in this nation today, in the world we live in today, nothing compared to what was going on there. What was happening to women, to children, to people that weren't Roman citizens. Unimaginable. This when your child was born, it would be laid on the floor and the father would walk in and look and decide if it was acceptable or not. And if it was, and if it, was it would be raised up. And if not, it would be taken to the dump. And either the animals or the pimps, if it was a girl, would take it up. That was the culture. That's how you get a 1.6 to 1 ratio of men to women. Women didn't have a voice. Women didn't have a vote. Women couldn't speak in court. When Paul says these things about your, your status with God isn't based on your gender, revolutionary stuff revolutionary stuff. We're not going back there. That's what the word again means. We're not going to act like that. We're not going back there. This won't happen in this house because this is God's house and people treat people like they have dignity and value. Amen to that. We're putting as a staff we're putting some things into place here, whether I'm the pastor or somebody else one day, that in this place, you, you deserve to be able to trust me. And, I, and I'm sorry for what's gone on in our nation, in the, and I know that this role has not always been one that's treated it with holiness and dignity and care, but we're putting some things into place that there is, no, there is no ability for compromise here. And one of those is, one of those is, you've got to make sure that you put things into place so that we don't go back to that place again. And if you've been harmed at any point in life, listen to me, don't go back to that place again. This is a phenomenon. 
People that are harmed often go back to the people that harmed them. This is what he's saying. No, not in this place. You're freed. And I, I hope you would just remember those words of Sinke. I The next minute that one of those old thoughts comes back to you, just say, give us the free. We're not going back there. We're not going to be distracted by all of this death. He says, if you accept circumcision, Christ would be of no advantage to you. I testify again, verse three, that every man who accepts this, if you're going back to the law, if you're going back to this to give you your identity, then he's obligated to keep the whole law. You're severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you've fallen from grace. I read about people today, famous people, Christian writers, and they say, I'm stepping away from my faith, but I'm fine. They always say, I'm fine. Listen, the one thing you are not is fine. You got three options. Option number one, if you believe the Calvinist, then one day you're gonna stand before him and every knee will bow and every tongue confess, including yours, and you're gonna look pretty dumb. And in the meantime, you're on the bench. You're not in the kingdom. You're not doing the things he's called you to do. And when, when he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, you ain't getting that. That's option number one. Option number two, the Wesleyans are right, and you're in a whole lot more trouble. Option number three, you're right. You've stepped away from your faith. I'm gonna tell you, the one thing you're not is okay. If you're right, then all this, this is a waste of time, but not only this, everything else is too because we're all just going to the pit. We're all just going to the hole. There's dirt, and that's it. And nothing matters long-term. But if there's a Savior, listen to me, church. If there's a Savior, if there's a Jesus, if it's true, everything matters. The way I treat you, the way I treat you, the way I treat her. Everything matters. And that's why he says this, for through the Spirit by faith, that spirit that Jesus breathed on them in John 20, that when the Holy Spirit comes on the believers in Acts 2, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope. Listen, faith is the way that we live. Hope in the biblical sense is not like, boy, I sure hope so. I hope that the person I'm cheering for in the Masters makes a rally, or, or I hope the guy who's in the lead wins, or I hope the Braves win the pennant. No, that's, that's a different kind of hope. No, this word for hope means I live in the expectation of. Tomorrow's the wedding. I did a funeral and a wedding yesterday. Two and a half hours apart. One of them has the hope that one day those clouds get rolled back and they look in the eyes of the one they love again. One of them had a hope that they would live their life in love with this person. It wasn't like the Braves might win. It's a different kind of hope, church. We wait for that hope of righteousness for in Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. That, 
that word counts for anything. It literally means it doesn't have any power. It doesn't work. It has no value. But look at this. Only faith working through love. A, a faith in a, in a risen Jesus brings a radiant bride. That's what we're supposed to do. Ephesians 5, 27. He says that we wash each other with the word so that we may be presented holy, blameless, a radiant bride. That's the hope, that hope of righteousness. It's what we're supposed to do. Listen, this is what we're supposed to do. Married couples every day, you, you come back home and we wash each other with the word. We take all the harm that's happened in the course of the day and we tell each other and we wash each other with the truth of God's word. And we get rid of that which is keeping us from being free. That's the gospel. That's what changes lives. That grace doesn't produce lazy, hazy Christians. No, James writes this. It, it, brings, it brings real power. We sang that Egypt song. The early, the early followers of God, Old Testament, they would go back to Egypt. They would say, you remember he brought us out of Egypt? The early church went back to the cross. The early church always knew there was a risen Savior. And when they would encounter the hatred of a Roman government that would literally take the people that they loved and put them in the Colosseum, they did not respond in anger or hatred. Let me also add this, or fear. You know why? Because they knew there was a power so much more powerful than that emperor. Because they had seen him. They knew people had seen him. And when you've seen a real Jesus, I ain't scared of you, buddy. You say you can do this to me? There was a, there was a pastor in, in Florida, pastor at a church just down the road from the one I was at. He was standing up against the drug dealers. He's a black pastor. He was standing up against the drug dealers in the community. They kidnapped him one night, took him out. They chained him to a tree and they said they were gonna take his life. And he starts laughing. He said, boys, you need to understand something here. There's a sovereign God. You strike me down. I'm gonna see Jesus. Who are you gonna see? The one ringleader handed the gun to somebody else and said, you shoot him. They took his chains off, let him go. Started coming to church. You, you don't live in that fear. This is, I've been reading about the early church. They didn't live in fear. They lived in the confidence of a risen Jesus. Now, if you got a dead, if you got a corpse in that grave, then all we got is an idea system. That's all we got. And look, Jesus' words are great words, are great words to live by. Sermon on the Mount, those are great thoughts. It's great, wonderful, good way to live, good philosophy. It's, I think it's better than Buddhism. But you got a risen Lord? Oh, that's different, yeah. That's a different thing. Death, where's your sting? Yeah, that changes it. That changes everything. Worship team, come on up here.
My old youth pastor told me this story. This, this faith, this real, this real faith, it changes everything about everything. My old youth pastor said his, one of the guys that he worked with, a teacher at the university that he was at, was on this train. There were these two men sitting there, and, and one of the men had a seizure. And the other man cared for him. He had a bag, and he, he cleaned up all that happened there. He gave him some medicine and, and put his friend back in the seat, and his friend kind of was asleep, kind of halfway passed out. And, and he turned to my youth pastor's teacher and said, him, sorry for that. And he goes, no, it's, it's okay. He goes, he goes, tell me how you guys know each other. And he said, well, we were in Vietnam together. And I was wounded in the legs and everyone was pulling back and I was on the wrong side of the line. And he saw me, he heard me crying and he came and he picked me up and he carried me back. And in the process, he was wounded in the head. And he went to the hospital and they were treating him at the VA. And he said, but, but I heard that he had started having this seizure issue and it was not controllable with medication. And he couldn't work and, and he could go and be at the hospital all the time or he could live, but he would have to have somebody with him. And he said, so I sold my business and I moved here and I live with him now and I care for him. And my youth pastor's friend and teacher said, wow, that's such a sacrifice. And he looks across, he goes, no. After what he did for me, there isn't anything I wouldn't do for him. That's the gospel. What he does for us, yeah, it's gonna, res it's gonna bring about change in our lives. We don't do it because of guilt. We don't do it because of shame. We do it because we serve a risen Savior. Where's Miss Myrna? He's in the world today. She sang this last week. I know that he's living whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him. He's always near. He lives. Yeah. That changes everything, church. Listen, this is not a system of ideas. This is the love story of a God who reached into all of creation and said, I love you. This is how much I love you. I'm going to send my son to die for you, but we ain't done there. I'm going to give you life. I'm going to give you a promise of something. So listen, you are okay. You're okay. Whatever they say about you, you're all right. Whatever happens, you're all right. Whatever the culture goes, you're all right. And we're not going to live in anger towards it. Our hearts are going to be broken for it. And we're going to step in and we're going to bring change where we can bring change. But this is what Jesus says. It's what John says. The world is going to know by the way we love each other. Starting here. 
I don't think the world's impressed by our deep thinkers. I don't think the world's impressed by the fact that we have great musicians, and we do. I don't think the world's impressed even by the acts of service that we do around the world. The world will be changed when they look at a church that passionately loves its God and loves each other well. And listen, if we can figure that out, we can't build enough buildings to put people in. And you know what? We shouldn't be anyway, should we? Yeah, because we're going there. All right? Amen. Hallelujah. Stand up. Let's pray. Jesus, in your name, that we would be free. Whatever it is that's holding us, whatever it is that's keeping us back, whatever it is, Lord, that's causing fear in our lives, we look at an empty tomb and we see a risen Lord and we follow people who followed you. What a God we serve. We don't have to be afraid. We have an assurance. It's a hope. It's not a, it's not a minuscule hope. It's a deep, deep promise that it's coming true. It's real. It's going to be here. And we live in that anticipation of all of that truth. And those that we love are not lost forever. There is an assurance. And all that's been sacrificed is not a waste. A cup of water for a child a house for a widow, a forgiveness from a couple, an education for a young man, an investment in a young lady's life. It's not a waste. It's not meaningless. It's holy. By your grace. Amen. By his grace, we have a hope and assurance there's freedom in Jesus. Thanks for joining us. I'm Myrna Brown.